It's great that we can be together uh, through the medium that we are uh, using today. Uh, we're united in spirit, and uh, it's wonderful to share this time with you. I just really pr- hope and pray that uh, this time, uh, where you are in your homes or wherever else you might be, is a real blessing to you. And you sense God's presence and his love today, this special day, Good Friday. I just uh, want to mention uh, an initiative that uh, Joyce DeGeer Vanderspeck has taken has provided um, dozens of pictures taped to chairs in front of me. That's wonderful. I don't feel like I'm alone. Uh, and uh, it's great to see many, many smiling faces of uh, people who are in our congregation. Thanks for sending those in. I, I hope you'll be able to see that at some point. just want to mention again that we'll be doing communion at the end of my sermon. Um, and if you haven't prepared for that, uh, gotten some juice and glasses and uh, pieces of bread for people to to, uh, to take when the time is right. You could pause the video right now and get that uh, bread and, and uh, juice together and uh, be ready for communion itself in just a little while. But we're looking forward to that time. Again, we're not united in person physically, but we're united in the Spirit of God, and uh, He can work in a powerful way among us. And I trust that communion too will be a really significant time for you as we remember Christ and His sacrifice for us. And we experience his presence, his living presence today. Let me pray and we'll begin. Gracious God, how good it is to uh, be gathered together uh, as one in you right now. I think of all the people of this church and others who are watching, Lord, who um, know this to be the special day that it is and who are ready to hear from you. And we would pray, our God, that you would speak, that uh, by your Holy Spirit, to everyone who hears these words of mine, that they would know that they have been addressed by the living God. So allow these words that I speak to communicate your truth. Allow these words that are spoken to impact lives, we pray, God. Speak to us now uh, and lead us forward. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to begin today by reading the story of the crucifixion of Jesus. And if you would read along with me, that would be great. I'm going to read today from uh, Mark 15, starting at verse 25. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days. Come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way the chief priests and teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of those standing near heard this. They said, Listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine, vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain in the temp- of the temple was torn 
in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, Surely this man was the Son of God. My question in recent days as we have prepared for uh, this time together today is, how do I speak on Good Friday this year? Normally we would take this passage and we would focus on the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for us. We would think about him dying in our place, him taking our place, him being there instead of us, so that we might be able to enter into a relationship with God by faith in Jesus. We think often of our sin forgiven because of Christ's death, all of it gone. We think about how we are freed from the fear of judgment to come because the judgment of God was placed on Christ that day. We think about being reconciled to God, becoming his beloved children, precious to him because of what Jesus did so long ago. And on days like this, Good Fridays, normally we think about the Lord and we give thanks for him. We worship him for who he is and for what he has done. We want to do these things today, and, and we will. But I've recognized that in this season of COVID-19, <laughs> how do we approach this day? How do we talk about our faith in this context? There will come a day when we can talk about faith again, free of it, without reference to this pandemic. But I've realized we're not there yet. You know, our minds and our hearts and our lives really are focused on this reality. Um, it's in the news exclusively. It's changed how we live. It's changed how we work. It's changed how we literally relate to one another. So my question in pre preparing has become, what does Good Friday do have to do with COVID-19? Or maybe more pointedly, what does COVID-19 have to do with Good Friday? Let me suggest this to you. And I recognize this is different for a Good Friday, but it's entirely from the Word of God. Listen to this idea. Salvation, that thing which Jesus accomplished for us on the cross, is not limited only to our individual salvation. It is not just about how you and I can enter into and be in relationship with God and know his love. This salvation which Jesus came to achieve for us is also a salvation for the whole world. Now let me explain this to you. One of the most famous verses in the Bible, um, probably the most loved verse in the Bible is John 3.16. Uh, read along with me, would you, as I read this verse now. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now we often hear people say, you know, as you say that verse, put your name in the place of the word world. For example, for God so loved Chris that he gave his one and only son. For God so loved Allison and Steve and Dylan and James. Those people who are with me here today, you yourselves. God so loved individual people that he gave his one and only son. 
Now, there's a place for that. That's okay, because the reality is God did so love you, every single person listening to this today, that he gave his one and only son as a sacrifice for us. But do you know what the word world in John 3.16 really means? Well, in Greek, the original language of the Bible, the word that is translated world, wor, wor, world, sorry, in English, is cosmos. For God so loved the cosmos that he gave his one and only son. Now, it's really interesting when you look into the meaning of this word cosmos that when you look at a, a Greek dictionary of the word and an English dictionary of the word the definitions are almost exactly the same. As a matter of fact, the only difference as you look at the words on written page, in Greek it's a K at the beginning of the word, and in English it's a C. And one of the definitions that I can bring to you, it's an English word definition, is this. Defining this word world is this. The world or universe regarded as an orderly, harmonious system. For God so loved the cosmos. For God so loved his creation that he gave his one and only son. Now that creation includes us. We're part of the creation. We're part of that cosmic reality. My point is this. God once created an orderly, harmonious system that was beautiful and remarkable. We're told about it in Genesis 1 and 2. We're Adam and Eve were part of the creation, and they were created by God. And they lived in harmonious relationship with God and with one another and with the creation itself. They were mandated to look after creation. And then came what we call the fall when they were tempted by the devil and they chose to believe what he had to say, and they sinned. They rebelled against God. And in that moment, they were changed as the power of sin and evil became part of their beings. Think of it like a spiritual virus that entered in. And that spiritual virus, the power of that reality, had terrible impact and consequence in their lives. Their thinking was no longer inclined to truth. They struggled to see and understand and believe it. Um, Their emotions, which were healthy and whole prior to this, started to become difficult and challenging and even unhealthy. Their desires were changed from wanting always what was right to not always wanting that. Their will was corrupted, if you would. And in time, of course, it changed their actions, how they lived. You see, they became, instead of ordered, disordered folks. And what was perfect was corrupted. Where there was harmony, there was conflict. Think about relationships. The relationship with God, which was beautiful and loving and intimate and connected, began to fracture. After they sinned, their first emotion toward God was to fear him, and they hid from him. In time, they were cast away from the Garden of Eden, cast from God's presence. No longer could they be in relationship with God. After their sin, Adam and Eve experienced the first marital conflict, certainly not the last. 
And what they began to do when they were confronted by God was start to blame everybody under the sun but themselves for what had taken place. But you see, the fall impacted and the power of sin impacted not just individual people, but all of creation, the cosmos. It entered into the world. It entered, entered this creation of God with tragic consequence. No longer was it ordered or harmonious otherwise. Think about natural disasters, which never existed before the fall. Destructive hurricanes and tornadoes and earthquakes and floods and droughts. Uh, not something that God had designed for his creation. Think of the animal kingdom. Moved from being harmonious to an experience of deadly conflict over and over and over again. Think of the physical health of people. We moved from wholeness and health to sickness and to death. Something that we had not known prior to the fall. And that, my friends, is where COVID-19 enters into our story. There were no viruses before the fall. No heart disease, no cancer, no diabetes, no strokes, no death. You see, none of these were created by a God of goodness, a God of love. Think of the seventh day of creation that you read about in Genesis chapter 1. On that day, God stood back and he looked at what he had created, the cosmos, and he called it good. Good. Entirely good. It was sin and evil that produced a world of disorder and a world of conflict, a world of brokenness. And that world uh, was ruled and reigned by whom? Be careful how you answer. I would suggest to you it was ruled and reigned by the evil one, the devil, the one who had first tempted Adam and Eve. They chose to believe in him, the devil, rather than God. They chose to follow the devil rather than the Lord. They lived their lives based on the lies of the devil rather than the truth of God. And ever since that time... This reign and rule has persisted. Let me read to you from Ephesians. Uh, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. It says this. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, the result of the fall in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Did you hear that? The ruler of the kingdom of the air. You see, there's an alternate kingdom to the kingdom of God. There's a, there's a kingdom that is the antithesis to the kingdom of God. In Colossians, I'm going to read this from the New International, uh, sorry, the New Living Translation, it's described in a similar fashion. Listen, Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Speaking of Jesus. For he rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. You see, there is a kingdom of darkness. 
that rule and reign which existed prior to the coming of Jesus, that rule and reign that Jesus came to free us from, to save us from, to transfer us from as we trust in Jesus into the kingdom of God. Now that reign, that kingdom of darkness still is at work today. It's real. COVID-19 and all these other effects of the fall are part of that reality. Think about COVID-19 just for a minute. Think about what it is and what it has done, what it might produce. Well, what it is is a virus, first of all. A virus which is not of God. And that virus produces real illness in people, some more than others. But it causes suffering. And in some, it causes death. For those of us otherwise who have not experienced that, it also causes fear in us. Fear about what it might mean for our lives going forward. See, that dark reality emerges as part of sin and evil which dominates this world today. And it is why Jesus came, and it is why what Jesus died to save us from. You see, for God so loved his cosmos, the world, that he gave his one and only Son. Now hear me in this. Jesus' salvation was not just an individual salvation. It is that. Oh my goodness, it is. But it, it was and is a salvation of global um, implication and impact. Really briefly, let me read from Romans to you. Romans chapter 8, interesting text, verses 20 uh, to uh, 23. This is describing again the same reality. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Now, did you hear what Paul did in that text? Apostle Paul, who wrote that, that epistle. He uses childbirth as an analogy to explain what's going on right now in this cosmos. Childbirth, with all of its struggle and its hardship, its pain, its difficulty. It says that the creation groans to be set free from bondage and decay, brokenness, struggle. You see the picture that the Bible is painting of the cosmos? It says that we groan inwardly and we are waiting eagerly for the day that we will be set free. I want to tell you, my friends, that day is coming. That day is coming because Jesus Christ died on the cross for this world. This creation, this world, uh, will be restored in the name and by the power of Jesus Christ. You know, the, the, the issues that we grapple with now and that we struggle with and the heartache that we deal with 
just in an ongoing way, we will not have to grapple with anymore. The joy that, that sometimes is only temporary and occasional in our lives, someday that joy will be overwhelming and complete. It will define our experience because all of the influence of sin and evil and death will have been dealt with. It will be gone because Jesus died for his world. You know, the one thing that was required for this salvation to come to the world and to the inhabitants of the world, the one thing that was absolutely necessary to defeat the kingdom of darkness and, that, and, and the influence and the power of the evil one, my friends, it was the death of Jesus Christ. He came and he suffered and he died to accomplish everything I've described to you. And in his death, he redeemed the world. He purchased this redemption by his blood. He ransomed it, the Bible says. And he ransomed us, paid the price to set us free, to move us beyond our groaning, to move us beyond the struggle, to move us beyond the impact and the influence of sin and evil. Jesus came and he suffered on our behalf to set us and this world on which we live free from the corruption of the fall. I want to tell you, my friends, we, even now because of that, can start to break free. I don't know whether you noticed on as I read from Romans chapter 8, but it talks about how we experience the first fruits of the kingdom. That is the kingdom of God. Even now we begin to experience because of the presence and the power of Christ by his spirit among us, a new reality. And we break free from the power of sin, the power of evil. We're going to talk a whole lot more about that on Sunday. That's my teaser to get you to tune in. It's good news. Something that we can experience. But I want to talk to people today who may be hearing this and you just sense in a very deep way God's speaking into your life. And you may never have come to the place of believing the kind of thing that I'm describing right now. I want to tell you, Jesus died for you. Jesus died for this world. Jesus died as, uh, to redeem us. And I want to invite you to believe in him. I want to invite you to come to believe that Jesus indeed was the one and only Son of God. To embrace that belief. I want to invite you to believe with all of your heart that in his death on the cross, he paid the price for your sin. I want you to believe that if... if, if you simply enter into a relationship with that, that God and, and you pray that you might be forgiven based on what Jesus has done, that you will be forgiven for all of your sin. I want you to believe <laughs> that as you open up your life to the Lord Jesus, you can receive him as your Savior and your Lord. Those are biblical words, biblical phrase. And they're not words that are empty and light. They're significant words. Yes, he can become your savior and, and, and he can save you from the power 
of the kingdom of darkness. He can transfer you into the kingdom of God. But it's also recognizing him as Lord. The one who you will believe in from this point forward. The one you will follow. The one you will make the leader of your life. The one you will be in relationship with. The one you will live for. See, my friends, we enter into that belief in Jesus. We come to that place of embracing him as Savior and Lord and believing the things that he has done for us. Well, we do find ourselves having been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God. And yes, we'll still have difficulties and struggles. The power of sin is still at work, and someday it'll end, and someday we'll be, on, be beyond all that reality. But until that day, we will know his presence, and we'll know his strengthening, and we'll know his power, and we'll know his peace, and we'll know his comfort. We will start to experience the rule and reign of Christ in our lives and discover the beauty and the wonder of that life. So I invite you to approach the Lord Jesus in prayer. Tell him that you believe. Invite him into your heart. Ask for the forgiveness of your sin. Commit yourself to following after him in love. Now, many others who will be listening to me today will have already taken that step of faith. Um, can I encourage you to uh, allow today to be a day of reflection, a day of gratitude, a day of worship for the one who came and the one who died to make things right again in this world? I want to tell everyone listening, God loves you. And God has done everything in his power to make it possible for you to be in relationship with him. As Adam and Eve were so long ago in the Garden of Eden, to know his love, to know his presence, to know his truth, to find life in him. Take hold of that possibility and follow hard after Jesus. My friends, we're going to turn to communion now and we're going to, while apart, still find unity by the Spirit of God in what we will do in this very special moment. I'm going to pray. It'll be a prayer of reflection on our sermon, but it'll also be a prayer of confession before we turn to the elements, the bread and the cup. So pray with me, please. Gracious God, we come into your presence and what an amazing thing it is for us to realize that you have put a plan of salvation in place to save individual people, that we might be in relationship with you, that we might know the presence of God day by day, that we might know the promise of heaven when it, that time comes. Lord, you've put a plan in place for this entire creation that you might restore it to what it once was that we who are yours might someday live on that restored creation that creation that has been made right by the power of God and to know you again 
as Adam and Eve once knew you. Lord, I pray for anyone who is listening to this who may be interested in feeling the tug in their hearts, the desire to open their lives to you and initiate a relationship with you. And I pray, God, that you will just draw them to yourself, that you will help them trust you and believe in Christ and take that step of faith that you are calling them to, step of faith calling them into a relationship with you, that you might become their father and they might become your child. Lord God, we come to this communion. It's, it's for those people who believe in Jesus. And we recognize how clearly the Bible says that we are not to take this, uh, these elements unworthily. It's not that we're ever worthy of it, Lord, but there are times in our lives when our relationship with you is not right. And in those times, we're just called to step aside and deal with that relationship and then move again toward this practice and that deep fellowship with Christ. So Lord, I pray first of all that you will give wisdom to the people who will receive today and those who might choose not to. But Lord, as your people, we come together as a, as a body of Christ, as a family of believers, as a church to confess before you. Lord, we have done much in our lives, in our thinking, in our desires, in our actions um, that, fall short, that falls short of the glory of God. We have sinned. And in this moment of time, where we are, where we sit, we pray that you would forgive us, that you would cleanse us from all unrighteousness as your word promises that you will. And Lord, we receive that forgiveness today. We accept it. We believe it and how we thank you for it. Lord, as we come to communion, the Lord's Supper, we pray that you will be with us, each of us, and that you will help us to remember well what Jesus has done for us, and you will help us to worship in the taking of these elements, the one who has died in our place, and that you will help us to remember that he, the Lord Jesus, by his spirit is with us now. That we might come into that most intimate place of fellowship with him. So Lord, meet us in this communion service. Nurture our faith. Show us the grace that we need. As we are fed, Lord, today, spiritually. Remind us of who you are. Remind us of who we are as we remember what you have done for us. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the night before Jesus' crucifixion, the night on which he was betrayed, he gathered together with his disciples around a table, and he broke bread, and he said, This bread, broken before you as it is, is my body. He said, do this in remembrance of me. And we do 
and we have for centuries and millennia as followers of Jesus. Taken bread, take, have, we have taken bread. I ask you to do so now in your homes. And we hold this element which represents the broken body of Jesus on our behalf. It was Jesus who called us to this. In faith and in obedience, we come now in his presence to do this very thing. So my friends, take and eat, for this is the body of Christ. Do this in remembrance of him. The Bible says in the same way Jesus took the cup and he said this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me so please take your cups my friends this cup is the new covenant in the blood of Christ which is shed for the forgiveness of sin Let's do this together in remembrance of him. Let's pray together. Lord, when we take time to reflect when we look into your word, when we just give you those moments where you can meet with us and speak into our lives, we are so often just left amazed. And we're left thankful. And we're left as worshipful people in your presence. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming and dying for us and for this creation. Thank you for doing what was required that we might be redeemed. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your sacrifice on that first Good Friday on our behalf. And Lord, we thank you for these elements, this communion, this bread which represents your broken body, this cup which represents your blood. These elements which we have taken into ourselves which nurture us but Lord not only do they nurture us physically they nurture us spiritually as we are reminded of you and what you have done for us Lord we worship you today you are an incredible God you father who have sent your son into this world your one and only son that we might believe not perish, but have eternal life. And you, Lord Jesus, one with the Father, you who came and gave your life that we might have life. We praise you today for your sacrifice on our behalf. Lord Jesus, let us be people of faith. 
Enable us so that we can follow you faithfully and out of love. Work in us, Lord, that we might know your presence and your power. That we might taste the first fruits of that new creation which is yet to come. Lord Jesus, as you have been entirely faithful to your Father in obedience, even going to the cross, we pray that you will enable us to be faithful to you and that we might love you day by day as we live in relationship with you. Lord, we thank you for these precious moments. We thank you for who you are and for what you have done. These things are God, we pray. In the name of Christ, amen.